Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Orton Gillingham podcast. Uh, we're here today to discuss a couple important questions that come up often in our training. One of them is uh, on the issue of encoding, uh, which is spelling. And uh, so lots of people wonder, is it still important to teach encoding um, when we have technology like spell check and things like that. So we're going to have a little, uh, little discussion about that. And we're also going to be talking about um, how to take uh, phonics first and integrate that into an existing reading program that you use in your class. Uh, is it possible to do that? How can you merge the two? So we're going we're gonna to be kind of having a little Q&A and, and discussion. And I see here we have uh, my co-host Katie Hodgkins. Hey, Katie. Hey. And Angelina Spateri-Bender. Hi, Angelina. Hey, hey. And I'm Esther. So we're here to have a little uh, little chat today. Welcome. So the first topic that we're going to tackle is about encoding and the importance of it. Is it really all that important, right? And we hear that a lot on different forums, not only online and in our classes, but I mean, people outside of education too, trying to tell my dad what I do for a living. It's always an interesting. He's like, where do you work again? Brain? What? Um, but, you know, what, what's the point? We have all of these uh, things now like spell check, autocorrect, which thank goodness people do know how to spell correctly because if it went by my autocorrect, I'm like, I don't even use that word in my lexicon. Why did it go to that word? <laughs> um, so why is it so important? So we're going to kind of tackle that mm -hmm. as a little topic to talk about. Why is it important? Um, I think that it's super important to teach encoding. I mean, we cannot assume that every single person has at their fingertips uh, a, a computer that has spell check on it. And, you know, not all work, not all writing is done on a computer or on a keyboard. Um, you know, writing is done. I know it's often done now, uh, more, more extensively done now on computers or keyboards, but um, you know, the fact is we still write, we still have to write and we still have to create um, words uh, in writing. And I think that teaching kids encoding uh, really helps them think about when they think about how to spell a word, um, helps them helps them kind of think about what makes what is the makeup of the word. So for example, if you have to spell the word photograph, um, and you, you've learned certain things about our language. Maybe you learned some Greek and Latin roots and you learned that, um, you know, what, how to, how to spell photo and photo, um, has a meaning. I think what it does is it helps, it helps us think about what makes up the word when we're, when we're really thinking about how to spell the word. Um, it helps with meaning even, um, when we, we just don't need to know, um, you know, how to spell certain parts of words, but we should know also what those parts of the words mean if they're, if they're at least, if they're morphemes at all, affixes. Um, is this the correct, is this the correct affix that I should be adding to that? Is this, so it's not always just about spelling, but it also, I think it also 
crosses over into, into comprehension and helps us link. Um, when we have to think about how to spell something, we have to think about the parts of the word. And um, I think that's much, that's very meaningful to uh, overall understanding of the language. So, I mean, I think if, if we're just thinking about how to spell a word, uh, that's kind of, it's kind of a short-sighted little activity um, because you're not making connections at all to anything else. And so um, I believe that, that when your brain has to start really thinking about how to spell a word, that it's not just thinking about that spelling, it's thinking about the word itself and possibly, um, you know, are there other words that look like this word and how are those words spelled? And all of these things happen in a nanosecond, right? In our brain. Um, and when we teach kids all of these things, it will start to happen in their brain as well. Um, so I really believe that relying solely on on uh, spell check or any of those, I think is a, uh, is, is not a, uh, necessarily a good practice for our brain development. That's my opinion. No, I totally agree. And I was just thinking of something even simpler than that. That was much more articulate than I'm, what I'm about to say, but, <laughs> uh, but even something as simple as, um, like the words two, two and two, mm -hmm. or, even if you have uh, thought through though, mm -hmm. when you're spelling those out and you spell them incorrectly, and that's not going to get picked up on something like yes. autocorrect, that totally changes the meaning of what you're about to try to convey to someone. Absolutely. And um, there have been some funny ones I'm sure everybody has seen before. Um, one story in particular... <laughs> where a student wanted to spell horse and mixed up the S and E. So the entire story was about something completely different, which was hilarious. Um, but that just gives meaning, right? It, it totally conveys a, a very different meaning. Right. I think even, even something simple as writing, and I... I know this is, you know, kind of the underlying theme, but it's very true for me. It is, it, it's like makes me remember what I'm thinking about much more mm -hmm. when I'm actually physically writing it mm -hmm. rather than typing it. Mm -hmm. And when I'm typing it, sometimes I'll reread what I, you know, what I, uh, I wrote and what I was thinking. And my brain is going so fast that I skip over words and I'm missing words. And mm -hmm. when I'm actually writing it and spelling it correctly, it, there's more thought put into it. And I remember it more. Absolutely. And my son is the same way. He has a, he asked for Christmas, which melts my heart. He asked for a writing journal and I'm telling you right now, this kid hates writing for school, hates it. But mm -hmm. his favorite thing in the world is to write stories for his brother that make him laugh. Mm -hmm. And so he asked specifically for a writing journal, stories that I can't share at school, mommy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> and they're well, not inappropriate. I mean, they're not probably yeah. appropriate for school, but they're not like terrible. Yeah. But um, you know, Katie, you make an excellent act. Yes. 
you make an excellent point that 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 we're using a different part of our brain when we when we physically write with a pencil than we are when we're just clicking on a on a computer. I mean, our brain is working differently. And and I think that you make an excellent point about that for sure. I I can't study unless I have a notebook mm -hmm. and a pen. Mm -hmm. I recently, um, over the holiday, I found my college notebooks and I was literally <laughs> writing what was in the book just on notepaper sure. to remember yeah. exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. And I was highlighting mm -hmm. with sticky notes all over the place. And then, like you were saying, Katie, um, you know, even just writing in a journal, writing thoughts or feelings or summarizing the day, usually more thoughts actually come out when I'm writing mm -hmm. that I didn't even expect. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine if I didn't know how to spell or encode, that would be completely disrupted. Mm -hmm. Well, and it reinforces the correct spelling when you're actually physically writing it and then your mm -hmm. understanding increases, I just think. I mean, I... I know that this isn't necessarily about handwriting, but I think they go together in that way. Like mm -hmm. that is going to reinforce correct spelling, which is going to increase like your mm -hmm. thought processes. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I used to teach high school and we would do journal writing as part of our day. And I told the kids uh, when they write in the journal, um, I want them, there's, I just want them to get their thoughts out. I don't want them to be preoccupied with how to spell a word correctly, because when you do that, then it kind of disrupts your thought process. I said, you know, anytime you write, you want to get your ideas out. And then, of course, you go back and you look at it and you say, now, did I spell all these words right? If this was going to be something that you're submitting for something a little more formal, not necessarily journal writing. But but, you know, there's always steps parts, steps in writing, you know, I think that when you're writing uh, with your, with your hand and you're, you're, you're thinking about the ideas that you want to get out there, you know, the idea is that, yeah, you might have to go back and check your spelling and your encoding. Um, and a lot of times I know when I'm typing and creating something on the computer, um, you know, I, I often get, I can see it moving on the screen as fast as my brain is moving. And sometimes if I see a word that is not spelled right or it gets corrected automatically, it's a, it's a disruption in my thought process. And I, it makes me go back and, and then I start hitting backspace and I start doing all this stuff. And it's like, that's just messed up my whole train, train of thought. thought. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the whole, you know, Encoding, yeah, it's important um, to teach them um, so they can be independent um, and write, you know, write independently when they're not on a computer and be confident that at least they're getting close to the correct spelling. And I just think that it, it, it does so much more with our brain than, than just relying on an autocorrect. So, yeah. And just, it's not just about spelling. Right. It's right. kind of with the writing and the spelling hand in hand. Yeah. yeah. Right. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> think about the way we instruct our courses and think about what we have kids do. 
um, they're reinforcing everything that they learn with writing, aren't they? They're, they're reinforcing writing in the sand tray. They're reinforcing writing in dictation on paper. Um, when they do the red words, uh, they are there. It's repetition in writing. So all of those things help our brain. Absolutely. It does. There's brain research out there that says that the physical act of, of, of writing, of actually moving your muscles and writing, um, it enhances your memory and enhances your, um, just everything about, about what you're doing. So, um, so I think that it, we see those elements also in every aspect of our training as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in summary, we love our technology. We love our spell checks, etc. Um, but we really see a benefit to, encoding and spelling with paper and pencil. We know it helps us remember things. It helps us to have a continuous train of thought. There's neurological research out there stating the relevance and importance of encoding and spelling just with paper and pencil. All right, so the next subject we're going to talk about today on the podcast is how to integrate our phonics program with other reading programs in the classroom. We get this question a lot in our phonics first and structures programs, and we just really think it'll be beneficial to have this conversation about how we can use our phonics programs, whether it be phonics first or structures, um, in the classroom with other reading programs. Um, and sometimes in our courses, we don't have a ton of time to go over this and, and expand on it. So we're going to do that now for you. Yeah. So I think this is important to point out that we are speaking about our program specifically, but really what we're talking about is uh, something that can apply to any phonics program or any reading program out there. And I think the most important thing uh, to point out is that our phonics program is specifically for phonics and just like any kind of program. So Classrooms will have reading programs and they'll have a phonics component built into it. Um, and lots of schools will go that way and use the phonics that's already built into their reading program. Um, and phonics, our program specifically, is not meant to replace a reading program. It's meant to replace just the phonics component of that reading program. Um, so a lot of districts will take a phonics program, specifically put it into their reading program to kind of integrate them so that their reading, um, like their decodable readers will line up with the controlled readers that go along with the phonics components so that they all kind of align and it makes more sense that way. But just keeping in mind that, you know, it is a phonics program, any phonics program you introduce is not meant to take over your entire reading um, because you still need that guided reading program to provide things like comprehension and, um, and other aspects of reading. We're just that decoding, encoding piece of it so that you can get to the comprehension part. Um, so just keeping that in mind, and I mean, that kind of goes across all all reading programs. If they're trying to line up a phonics program with their reading program, not just ours, um, they're not replacing it entirely. They're just 
they're just trying to fit it along with their own reading program. So I think that's important to say, because I don't want anybody to ever walk out of one of our courses or out of their classroom from any other training and think, oh, I'm just going to do this and not do the other stuff. Right. Because that other stuff is super important and, and it's not provided when you're just doing phonics. Right. I, I always emphasize that, you know, this is a phonics program. It's phonics. It fits into your reading program wherever the phonics portion of your reading program is. So a lot of people don't like uh, the phonics portion. They may maybe love their reading, the reading series, but they don't really like the way the phonics is introduced. And so a lot of times they'll, they'll introduce or integrate a different phonics program um, as you're saying, Katie. And so what my recommendation is always, first of all, you have to decide, um, you know, what your sequence is. And so if you Um, If you really want to keep the cumulative nature of the Phonics First program, for example, uh, or Structures program intact, then you might consider using the sequence of that program. Uh, if, if you are, if you love the sequence of the program that you're, that you currently have, then you can alter, rearrange our Phonics First sequence to match that sequence. Um, so it just depends. The first step is to always decide which one you like better, which, which, which sequence you like better, uh, which overall phonics piece, uh, you prefer. And then, and then you, you just then proceed to integrate one into the other. And, um, and that is very doable. It's very doable. It does take away if you're integrating, uh, whatever program you're integrating in, it does take away um, if there's any kind of cumulative uh, nature to the program, then it, it will, it will um, affect that a little bit. But, um, but, you know, for the most part, uh, you're there to fill in holes for kids. And uh, I think that you, you just have to decide which makes most sense to you. And then you can integrate that in Um so sequence is one thing. Another is, you know, you might use, use exactly your existing program, but, but, but pull in all of our multi-sensory techniques. So you can finger tap, no matter what program you're using, you can pound, you can do red words the way we do red words. Um, you can do all of those multi-sensory pieces. You can do multi-sensory introductions, even if you're doing a program that's not multi-sensory. So you can always um, use the, the pieces of, the pro- of, of any program to supplement um, you know, your existing program. Yeah, and I think the most common, like from those two things that you've said with all the um, schools and districts that we've worked with, I think the most common thing to do is use the phonics sequence, the sequence that comes with your phonics program, and then fit in your guided reading uh, program alongside that, because it's in such a sequential logical step Yeah, that that really has to come first. And then, you know, the guided reading part, you know, you're asking comprehension questions that'll, that'll just, you know, because of the way that it builds in the sequence, it just makes more sense (laughs) to do the phonics 
the phonics first, <laughs> the phonics <laughs> uh, sequence yeah. first, and then um, integrate the reading program. And I think that's a lot easier to do too. Yeah. And that's that tends to be what you know districts go by. Yeah. Um, but I always tell people too, you know, if you really sit down and compare programs, um, everybody's teaching the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. English is English. And so, we, you know, if it's a phonics program, everybody's going to cover almost exactly the same things, just not in the same order, you know? Yeah. Um, so. And that's what I was going to say too. You know, if you have your guided reading program and, you know, the stories, the material the kiddos are reading has a variety of sounds and skills in it. I mean, if you're assessing your students and you're determining where the gaps are, that's only going to help them in that guided reading program. So it really benefits, it benefits everyone. Yeah. Yeah. That assessing part is a really good point because it's very hard to assess students when skills are all out of order and and things like that. That's very hard to assess students, especially in an encoding and all spelling skills. So yeah, that's a good point. We hope that was helpful and that helped to clarify some things for your classroom and for the importance of handwriting. And we're so glad that you could join us today. I love seeing your faces. I miss all of you. Love to see you. Bye. Love you guys. Bye-bye. All right. Love you. Bye. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast and submit questions, topics. We want to hear from you about what you would be interested in listening about. Do you have any really good ideas, really great questions, someone you want us to have as a guest? Please submit those to marketing at brainspring.com.